0: Morning, friends. Glad you're here today. I hope you're glad to be here. All right. Slight hesitancy, but I get it. I get it, right? It's, it's like fall is coming, and we're like, yeah. Woohoo. But well, we had some great weather this last week. It was amazing, and we're going to have some awesome time here together. We are right in the middle of a series we've called Jonah, it's right from the Bible by the book that bears the same name, Jonah. It's a, it's a four-part story that we're diving into intentionally to see what we can uncover and learn about ourselves, about God, and about so many other things. We started with chapter one. We dove into this reality that there is clarity in the turbulence. Even when things go chaotic in our world, there can be clarity. God can provide a way forward through that turbulence. And he can also provide provision He can provide for us what we need in those moments of uncertainty, of doubt, of frustration, of so many things. That's what we discovered at the outset of this story. Even when we turn our back on God, He can still provide those things for us. And then we learned last week, as Pastor Jamie walked us through chapter 2, we learned about the difference between reactionary prayer and being proactive in our prayer life. Not letting our circumstances dictate the the level of our engagement in prayer, but being prayer-filled and ready for when the moments where things fall apart, our brokenness seems overwhelming and we don't know what to do and despair starts to grip our hearts. In those moments, we are prepared for that as we pray in advance of our current situation. And so how do we engage in prayer? And today is all about second chances. Second chances. Jonah chapter 3 is where we're headed. Second chances. I want to tell you a story of a second chance that I was the benefactor of. Back in my junior high school days, my middle high school days, I was in shop class. Anybody go to shop class before? Mm Okay, shop class. We were working on the wood lathe. My teacher was Mr. Kluchuk. He was known for his infamous Kluchuk clutch, which he would grab your elbow and try to make it hurt. I don't know if it ever worked on me, but I was always participating. Ow, yeah, ah, painful. The Clue Clutch. One day, we were cleaning up the wood lathe. My friend Stephen and I had been working on the wood lathe, and if you know what the wood lathe is, it's this big fancy machine that spins wood at a fast pace, and then you use tools like this. This is a wooden chisel. The lathe is about twice this size and a little bit longer, and you use it to shape the wood. And I was making a gavel. That was my project to make a gavel out of this piece of wood. And so I was cleaning up after our class, and I thought it would be funny because my friend Stephen was across the room to pretend to throw a lathe tool at him. And so I did this. This was my motion. Now, what happened is the metal portion of the wood tool separated from the handle, and it started to fly across the sky in a perfect trajectory towards my friend's face. And I saw his eyes get wide like saucers, and I was like, oh, shoot. (laughs) Now, thankfully, he had enough time to dodge the incoming projectile. But Mr. Kluchuk saw the whole thing. You know, his response was, Frizzell, you've got an F. And I was like, yeah, I've got an F in my name, I get that. What are you talking about? He's like, no, you've got an F in my class. And I was like, whoa, dude, I just threw the chisel. Like, that's it. And so then I negotiated with Mr. Kluchuk for the next 15 minutes on what it could look like for me to rebuild from an F into passing the class. Because I wasn't really good with tools. That's why I use words. I was a benefactor of a second chance, and boy, was I ever thankful that I got one. Sometimes you and I need to be benefactors of second chances. And sometimes when we don't even know it, that's exactly what we're craving. Another chance, another opportunity, a moment to choose differently. That's what we're going to dive into today. If you've got a Bible with you, Jonah chapter 3. If you do not have a Bible, please come talk to me. Come talk to one of our staff. We want to gift it to you. You should be bringing your Bibles with you if you got them because this is the, the most important literature that you could be digesting and meditating on and reading from. And if you've got your phone... You version Bible app. You want to go there right away. See uh, Road Live on their events section. And you can follow along if you prefer digital format. Jonah chapter 3. It's 10 verses. It reads like this. Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I have given you. This time Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh, a city so large that it took three days To see it all. On the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. The people of Nineveh believed God's message, and from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow. When the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne, he took off his royal robes, he dressed himself in burlap, and sat on a heap of ashes. Then the king and his nobles sent this decree throughout the city. No one, not even the animals from your herds and flocks, may eat or drink anything at all. People and animals alike must wear garments of mourning, and everyone must pray earnestly to God. They must turn from their evil ways and stop their violence. Who can tell? Perhaps even God yet will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. When God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. This part of the story gets really interesting for me because, like I said, it's all about this second chance. There's there's three things that I want to point out to you from this collection of 10 verses, and hopefully it'll allow us to digest some of the things that I think Jesus wants us to understand a little bit more intentionally here together today. The first thing is this, a second chance is all about listening and obeying, listening and obeying. What's really cool in the first couple of verses, we understand that Jonah is spoken to by God for a second time. And this time, he decides to listen to what God's telling him. The first time God spoke, he said, the heck with that. I do not want a part of it. And he chose to go in the opposite direction. And then all of a sudden, this chaos and turbulence and all these crazy things started happening in his world. And his disobedience even disrupted the well-being and health of the people around him. That's the gravity in which we live in our world today. When we walk away from God, we're not only harming ourselves, we are actually disrupting the opportunity of the people around us to see Jesus. Our disobedience breeds disobedience. Our disobedience creates layers of chaos inside and around us. This is why we need to be reminded that we are benefactors of second chances. The second time that Jesus, that God speaks to Jonah, he listens and he goes to Nineveh, the place that he didn't want to go to, and he delivers the message. If we're going to be benefactors of a second chance, we have to understand that there's a two-part scenario. We've got to first listen to the opportunity and then follow through on the opportunity. If you've grown up in the church world, I want you to calculate now how many sermons you've heard in your lifetime. Is it more than one? I don't know about you, but sometimes when God speaks to me, I'm a little bit thick-headed. And so I don't always understand what He's wanting to say to me, and I don't always follow through on what He's asking of me, because... Bottom line is, I'm not sure that I actually trust Him. If you think about reasons why we don't follow through on the invitations that God has given us, it really boils down to that, trust. If I do what He's asking me to do, is He going to provide for me in that moment? If I put myself at risk, is He actually going to cover me with His protection? If I take a flying leap... Is he going to catch me? And the truth is, most of us would answer no. We don't think he will. And if I'm honest, there are times where I have felt that very same thing. Well, if I do that, there's no way that God's going to provide. I'm going to have to figure it out on my own. The quintessential lie that a North American believes. I can figure this out on my own. God, I'm just going to put you over there. And when I need you, I'll ring my little bell. And then you come flying in and save the day. Listening and obeying the risen king and savior is a whole lot more than just a checklist type reality. It's a whole and utter and complete surrender of our lives. And that, my friends is scary because when we're in that space and we're in that place we are vulnerable and in our vulnerability we become uncertain that the God that we have surrendered ourselves to will actually be faithful to complete the work that he has started in us and so instead of listening and obeying we half listen and half obey because then we kind of can check it on the box going like well I did part of what he asked me to do I get it, it's hard, it's difficult. It is not easy to be fully committed. It's a challenge. And it's a challenge that we have to tackle on a daily basis. Moment after moment after moment. When we're sitting in that that conversation at our favorite coffee spot. And the conversation turns to things that aren't edifying to Jesus. Jesus turns to things like gossip and slander. We have an opportunity in that moment. You know when those are happening because something inside of us starts to go all cringy. Like, ooh, this is kind of a greasy conversation. I mean, I want to know the tea, but I don't want to know the tea. Should I participate in this in the moment? That is the presence of God inviting you to go the other way. To do something different. If we're going to be benefactors of a second chance, we have to not only listen to the opportunity, we got to follow through on it. Imagine if Jonah, who had this second time where God spoke to him. we, We have to understand how rare, how rare at this time period that Jonah lived that God would speak to people. That was not something that happened in abundance. We can take that for granted here today. There's several hundred of us gathered in this space and many more tuning in online. God can speak to each one of us simultaneously and we're like, yeah, that's normal. In their culture, in their time period, that was not normal. They did not have the Holy Spirit poured out in abundance, the presence of God that we are now gifted with as followers of Jesus. They didn't have access to that like we do. We have access like Jesus himself had access Uninhibited access to the presence of the creator of the universe. That is mind-boggling. We can walk in and out of that relationship at our convenience and our leisure. And far too often, that's exactly what we do. Imagine if Jonah would have been like, Oh, God's talking to me the second time. Nineveh again. Yeah. Yeah. I know last time it was a fish, but could you send a big bird to carry me away instead? When God asks something of us, why is it that we go into negotiation phase and not into obedience phase? When God says, I want you to love your enemies, why do we plot our revenge instead of pray for them? When God says, love our neighbors, why don't we reach out instead of shutting our doors and our curtains and pretending that we're not at home? When God says, hey, pray for somebody, why do we pretend that we don't know how to speak English? It's because we're afraid. And at times we'll let our fear dictate our obedience and not our faith. I love that Jonah shows us what is possible when we become a benefactor of a second chance. We can hear what God is saying to us. We can follow through it with it in obedience. And then there's a couple things that happen when we adopt that posture of listening and obedience to God. The first thing is We are invited to basically repent, which is a big fancy word to say, change the way that we think. Change the way that we think. So Jonah zips into Nineveh. It's this great city. We're told that it's so large that it would take three days to have a really good visit in the city. That's massive. Bigger than Brockville. And he says, The message that God has given them. Hey, God's going to destroy your city in 40 days. And the people, they hear this message and for some reason they start changing the way that they think. They repent. Romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2, they read like this. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. More often than not, when God starts speaking to us, it's because he wants us to shift some pattern of thinking in our minds. Change the way we think, because we've deviated from the way and the values that he holds dear to his heart. Being a youth pastor for 15 years was such a blessing back in the day. Now I'm an ancient relic when it comes to youth ministry. Just ask all our teenagers here at Sea road and they're like, what are you doing here on a youth night? And so I don't go. I can't tell you how often that I've seen this changing the way you think reality play out in life though. I've seen these teenagers, young men and young women, despise one another in middle school and then they become young adults and all of a sudden they're married and having children. They've changed the way they think about each other, okay? Something miraculous has taken place. That same young lady who's like, oh my goodness, that guy is so immature. I can't believe it. I am never, ever, ever going to end up with somebody like that. Ends up marrying that same dude. And I'm performing their marriage ceremony. And I get to remind them of that in that moment. And encourage them. There will be times where he revisits that behavior. Stick with it. We can change the way we think all over the place in different elements of our culture. But there are times when we refuse to change the way we think when it comes to Jesus. have you ever wondered why why we think we know better than God it's the greatest delusion that any human being can ever believe that they themselves are divine that they themselves can dictate to the creator of life how life should be lived that's called an abuse of freedom friends Freedom is a gift. Freedom is a choice. Freedom is a responsibility. When we hear the word of the Lord, we have an opportunity to change the way that we think, to repent of things that aren't from God, to realign our mindset. And more often than not, the deviation of our lives starts first in our minds. We start fixating on something That is less than what God has in mind for us. It could be a person that we aren't married to. We start fixating on them. Ooh, I wonder what it would be like to be in a relationship with them. Far before we engage in any sort of devious behavior, we've thought it through in our brains. Sometimes we believe a lie that we've got to run from the trauma and the pain that that we've experienced on an emotional level. And so we, we give ourselves over to something that's less than Jesus. It could be our addictions. It could be a distraction. We're trying to cope through our existence, forgetting that if we would just change the way that we think and allow God to realign our mindset that more often than not, we will experience the freedom that we are truly craving. It's hard. I get it. I get it. It's difficult. There are certain people throughout the course of my lifetime that I have set ideas about, and I don't want to change them because it's much easier to paint them in that picture than it is to paint them with a picture that's painted with the blood of Christ. Christ. We need to listen and we need to obey. And part of that obedience is an invitation to change the way that we think. And that's exactly what we uncover with the people of Nineveh. Verse 4 says, On the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, Forty days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. That's the message. Forty days from now, you're gonzo. You're gonzo. In verse 5, the people of Nineveh believed God's message. Believed God's message. And from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow. If we want to change the trajectory of our lives, it begins with changing the way that we think. And we can think That we can change our thought patterns on our own. But the truth is, we're just gonna get more stuck than we were before. Changing the way we think is often paired with, in a biblical concept, with changing the way that we live. Jesus talked about it all the time when he talked about the good news and the coming good news and the gospel message. He he talked about repenting and believing. See, it's one thing to trust or, or think something about something. It's another thing to live that truth out. Whether that's about gravity, that, whether that's about love, whether that's about hope, whether that's about your your eternity, or anything else. It's one thing to believe it in your mind. It's another thing to live from that place of belief. And that's what we see unfolding here in Jonah chapter 3. We see this this movement and the shift from listening and obeying to repenting to believing. Changing the way we live. If we truly believe, that Jesus is the risen king of the universe, then why wouldn't we reorient our lives around him? He has given us the roadmap for success. Success meaning life to the full, not life to the full in our bank accounts, not life to the always full in a health way, not life to the full through all the relationships, life to the full through all of the chaos. That's the gift. That's the invitation. And we have an opportunity, a moment-by-moment opportunity to recalibrate our very existence around that truth. When a child believes that a parent loves them, they will be more grounded and more secure than anything else. Years ago, the University of Toronto did this test and discovery, and if you go to try and find it now, it's been buried for various reasons. They tried to track the reality of addiction. How is it formed? How is it shaped? Where does it come from? And what they discovered was that these these children, you know, older elementary-aged children through teenage years and even young adult years, if they had a stable relational foundation in their family life, statistically speaking, they were 63% less likely to give themselves over to addiction of some kind. And that stability was a framework of one family meal on a weekly basis. That's it. One family meal on a weekly basis. And somehow that communicated intrinsically to these young people that they were worthwhile, they mattered, they were valued. And when they feel valued, connected, and worthwhile, then why would you settle for anything less? And for some of us, the truth and the reality is, is we have not let Jesus love us. And so we've, set, we've settled for counterfeit loves. The praise and appreciation of our fans. Or our family, or our friends. And that pales into comparison of the depth of the joy that you bring to the Creator of all things just by breathing. We live in a culture that's relationally built on what have you done for me lately. Where the biblical foundation for relationship is this. It is finished. I've already done it. I want you to enjoy the inheritance that I give to you. It's the declaration that Jesus gives through the way that he chooses to live his life. But we get distracted, we get confused, we get disillusioned along the way. It's not happening fast enough for us. or It's missing something. And so instead of trusting what we know to be true, we walk from it. We abandon it. And we settle for something else. But what if, what if we chose to be benefactors of a second chance? A second chance in a relationship, a second chance in the way you choose to live, a second chance in what you believe about Jesus or what you even believe about yourself. What if each one of us would we'd be willing to hear what God is saying to us on an individual basis, follow through on that with obedience which is going to mean changing the way that we think and at times changing the way that we live. That's not easy. It can be difficult, but what if we actually did it? What if we lived from that space? You know what I imagine? It would be a group of people of all different ages that are filled with more joy, even in the suffering moments of life, than negativity. The last thing our culture needs is another critic. My word. It's all over the place. What our culture needs, what our world craves, are men and women who love Jesus unapologetically. And from that love of Jesus, the only thing that spills out over into the lives of the people around them is love. Not criticism, not chaos, not gospel, not downloading the latest tea, but love. What if you and I took God up on a second chance and said, okay, I'm going to trust you in this. I think that's the message from Jonah chapter 3 for us here today, this morning. And I got to believe that there's something in your life and in my life that needs to be reminded of this very truth, because it's, it's true. We as humans, we can, we can believe something for a portion of our lives, but then refrain from believing it in another part. And what if today was all about freedom in that? Freedom from the pain, freedom from the chaos, internally and externally, that we could rise above it and be the people that God is inviting us to be, to love our neighbors and love him with radical intentionality. If we want our world to change, I can't help but think that's how it changes. It's got to be rooted in love, not rooted in a movement that isn't going to last, not rooted in a, in a fling, not rooted in a fad, rooted in something that is ancient, that is steadfast, that is ever-enduring. That, my friends, is a picture of what the love of Jesus is like. So I'm going to pray for us here today that we would be reminded of the things that God wants us to, or perhaps for the very first time, take advantage of the chance and the opportunity that's in front of us to change the way that we think and change the way that we live, not because Jason said it, but because Jesus is inviting us into it. Let me pray. Father, I'm grateful that we have the opportunity today to learn from people who have walked lives that are different from ours and yet very similar to ours. I think of the story of Jonah thus far, and we've got this individual who is afraid to follow through on something that you're inviting him into because maybe it didn't fit his plan, his sequence of understanding, or, or he just didn't want to do it. You thought that somebody else could maybe be of greater value to you in that moment. And yet you consistently pursue him even in his deviant behavior, in his distrust, and you remind him that you are greater than all of those things. Here today, Jesus, I can't help but think that each one of us needs to be reminded that there is deep hope rooted in you. And that's hard when we've got stuff That is in the way. It's blocking our ability to change the way that we think. Maybe it's past hurts and pains. Or or things that we're going through right now in the moment. and It it means that that we've we've discovered it's it's challenging to trust you. Because we don't want to get hurt again or, or, or something like that. And so God, I just ask that you would meet us in the middle of those thoughts, and in the middle of those burdens, and in the middle of those pains, and in these next few moments, Jesus, would you grant freedom for our hearts, for our souls, for our minds, as we choose to trust you in a new and deepening way. We pray this in your name, Father. Amen.